This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 21. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who met him. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also were conversing with him. Some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be advocating foreign deities because he preached Jesus and the resurrection. They took hold of him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is, which is spoken by you. For you bring certain strange things to our ears. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers living there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. God wants us free from addictions, legalism, empty pursuits, vain ambitions, serving self, and any other sin, idols, false gods which enslave us. Father in heaven, if our priorities are out of whack, free us. If our life is out of balance, help us. If Jesus doesn't have the preeminence in our lives, fix us. Make you our first love. Loosen our grip from the idols that get in between us and you. Help us let them go and cling to you. Jesus, you said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Set us free so we can follow you wherever you lead. Help us overcome as we battle the weeds of idolatry in this garden of life. Father God, if there is anyone listening under the yoke of idolatry, in whatever form it is, free them as they turn to you. Free me, Jesus, from the weeds that grow up to choke away my joy and fruitfulness in you. Keep me vigilant, aware of sin, and root it out. And yet those thorns, as frustrating as they are, and as much as they're despised, also remind us that we're weak, that there is nothing good in us that is in our flesh. Our only hope comes in you, Jesus, and we look forward to the day when you'll deliver us from these bodies of death and give us new and glorious ones. Thank you that your grace is sufficient in our weaknesses. Thank you for doing what we under the law and weakened by the flesh could never do. You never sinned, Jesus. You never committed idolatry. You had no other gods before you but your Father in heaven. And in your perfect life lived here on this earth nearly 2,000 years ago, you always loved him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, doing nothing of your own accord, but only as you saw and heard from your Father. In perfect obedience to him, you went to the cross of Calvary, bore our sins in your body, and paid the penalty in full we deserved so that we could die to sin and live to righteousness. 
Help us, Jesus, to love you with all of our hearts. Help us to be slaves to you, not to idols. Help us to live for you, Jesus, our righteousness. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. Thank you for your patience with us all. We deserve death, but you offer life to any who would believe. We choose you, Jesus. We choose life through faith. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's be vigilant to root out weeds of sin and idolatry as they surface in our lives, freed to love and serve our Lord Jesus unhindered. The Apostle Paul undoubtedly yearned to see the Athenians lay aside their idols, which idols had provoked his spirit. Again, verse 16 says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. Verse 17, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who met him. Paul sought out people for the sake of the gospel. He was a fisher of men. He didn't wait around for people to just come to him. He like found great fishing spots and engaged people in their own worlds, met them where they were to share Christ with them whether with the Athenians in the marketplace or the Jews in the synagogue. Verse 18. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also were conversing with him. Some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be advocating foreign deities because he preached Jesus in the resurrection. Paul was far removed from Jerusalem at this point, there in Athens, he would have encountered many people of culture and intellect, many philosophers. Of them were the Epicureans, whose main aim in life was the pursuit of pleasure and the sense of a peaceful life free from pain, vile passions, and superstitious fears. They were kind of agnostic as concerning the Athenian gods and were inclined to think that they had very little to do with man. The Stoics, on the other hand, were pantheists, meaning they would have viewed the universe as a whole as God, or that there wasn't really any God but the combined substance, forces, and laws that are brought forth in the existing universe. They emphasized moral sincerity and duty, embracing a spirit of proud dignity. They would have rather committed suicide than live an undignified life. Stoic philosophy viewed everything as God, with God in everything. They would have purported that all things, whether evil or good, were from God. Therefore, they'd probably say something like, take everything that comes, do not resist it. There's no certain plan or destiny for mankind. All right, let's keep reading. Starting in verse 19 of Acts 17. They took hold of him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is, which you're speaking about? 
for you bring certain strange teachings to our ears. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Though all the Athenians and the strangers living there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. These Athenians had an itch for news. They were like, what's the new and exciting headline for the day? What novel concept, theory, or story is going to entertain me today? I wonder how many in the church today have a similar craving for the next exciting doctrinal spin or like interpretation of a scriptural passage. And this, not in the sense of wanting to learn the truth and sincerely apply it to our lives, but in the sense of wanting to be entertained. In other words, like getting a rise or kick out of the next come and go fad of Christian culture, tradition, or practice, always yearning for the next quote-unquote new revelation one is yet to unfold or discover. I think many cults have sprung forth out of such an environment. Scientology, for example, comes to mind, which is in the vein of, like, science fantasy, or the many revelations of self-proclaimed prophetess Ellen G. White, co-founder of the Seventh-day Adventist movement, end-time apocalyptic cult leaders like David Koresh of the Branch Davidians and David Berg, also known as the Love Prophet, who is the leader of the Children of God movement, fit the bill. They all had an obsession and fascination with the supernatural, with visions and revelations, with the next new and secret doctrine, practice or revelation that would supposedly transform the world. I kind of think that the founder of Mormonism and his followers were like this. Throughout the progression of Joseph Smith's, whatever you want to call it, career, so to speak, of being prophet and founder of Mormonism, he was continually progressing towards more extreme, controversial, earth-shattering ideas, doctrines, and revelations. Many of his followers seemed to have swallowed it all up whole. Brigham Young, Mormonism's second prophet, picked up the torch and took it to the next level with even more fascinating and fringe revelations and doctrines as to like one-up his predecessor. I certainly got caught up in it all, like someone obsessed with UFO stories or something. I was curious, entertained, and always in search of the novel and provocative. I ate up many of the writings and tales of Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and others. Such an obsession would naturally spill over into other categories beyond my religion at the time, like that of the whopping reservoir of NDE accounts, meaning accounts, or possibly some of them tales, of near-death experiences. I was caught up in that, and like other new-agey and supernatural subject matter. I was among those Paul described in 2 Timothy 3.7, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Perhaps some of these Athenian philosophers would have also fit such a category. Nevertheless, Paul would capitalize on their craving for telling or hearing some new thing to share about the death and resurrection of Jesus with many of them. He started off conversing in the marketplace, probably with anyone who would engage him. Many of these were probably one-on-one -on -one scenarios, or perhaps even small groups of people. By interacting in small and simple ways with people in a public place, this would eventually open the door for Paul to have a much bigger platform 
to share before a multitude in Athens from the Areopagus. Jesus says that when we're faithful in the small things, He will then entrust us with larger things. But if we're not faithful in the small things, how can we then expect to be entrusted with the greater? Paul's faithfulness to consistently share Jesus with individuals wherever he went, I think opened the door for him to be able to share Jesus before many on a huge platform. What everyday opportunities have we encountered and embraced to share Christ with others where they are, whether at the store, in a park, at a game, or at work? How has engaging in these small and simple ways opened even greater doors for ministry? Son of virgin shall conceive At his baptism The voice of God Said that he was well pleased And when he was asked To give a sign To the entire crowd He said the only sign They would receive Was of Jonah now That for three days and nights He spent his time In the heart of the earth And thrice he foretold Specifics about his approaching death We are his witnesses And he's chosen us To go out like the four winds of the earth And that all from north, south, east, and west Will come to know that he in the wilderness and then he was moved by a leper and he touched him and healed his sickness even though he was tired he fed five thousand with some fish and loaves and then he walked on the water scaring all the disciples thinking he was a ghost and he took three of them to a high mountain his clothes turned intensely white and he told them again that the Son of Man would suffer much and then die. We are his witnesses, and he's chosen us to go out like the four winds of the earth. And that all from north, south, east, and west will come to know. Earth, so he could dwell with us. 
And not every one of the things he's done has been written down But these are written so you may believe in Jesus now That was Four Winds from the Adams Road album Tongues of Fire. It was 1989 in California, game three of the World Series. When suddenly the stadium shook, people started to scream, and a plastic sign fell from above. It crashed in front of me And I read the words from John 3.16 But no one seemed to care They were panicking And along with me Trampled over the sign The scene stayed in my mind Though my life moved on Until I saw another sign Written in the sky It said, Jesus is coming Are you ready for him? And it made me look around At the world I was in In the paper I read That an earthquake had caused A tsunami and 230,000 deaths That man was raging in Ethiopia and thousands each day died from malaria I passed a bum, passed out and drunk I stumbled upon what he was sleeping on I picked it up, an unused Bible A pillow for a fallen man I started to read about this Jesus I had heard of And if I believed in him, I would be saved From all of the calamities that were sure to come Some were already here, I witnessed one So I said a little prayer and accepted God's Son into my life And the Bible as his word I read But he said not to let that trouble me I trust in him, I know that all this must be Power and glory. Jesus is my Christ and prophet. I'm ready. Is this the end? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom to kingdom. There'll be famines and droughts and diseases, tornadoes, volcanoes, tidal waves, and hurricanes like the earth itself is experiencing birth pains before the earth is birth. The second coming of our Lord and Savior The earth's creator, it will quake and shake And the whole face of the earth will change Mountains will be made low and the valley's high Israel became its own nation back in 1948 And Jesus said this generation will not pass away Till all this takes place And God said that's 120 years Israel is surrounded by its enemies All of this is fulfilled in Bible prophecies Wonders in heaven and earth will be shown to us But still many won't believe The sun will be darkened But he said not to let that trouble 
That was Is This the End? from the Adams Road album Band of Prophets. This is the Adams Road podcast, 
and outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 27. Grace and peace be with you all.